Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad that you're with us. And uh, next week, we'll all be together. It's going to be very exciting, not only for me, but I hope for you too. Let me tell you a story. In 1975, Carrie and I are moving back to this area. We were married in 1974, and I'm finishing up school, so we come back to this area, and we're looking for a place to live. We don't have very much money, so what we found was an old trailer house, a mobile home, about four miles out in the country, and it was very dated. Well, because we didn't have much money, we are looking for a bargain. And so there was a person who said, if you will just take over the payments, you can uh, have the mobile home or the, the trailer house. So we said, yeah, that's a deal. Then we're trying to figure out if we could pay for it. And the payment every month for that mobile home was 40-something dollars a month. Now, that may not sound like much money, but when you're starting out in marriage and you're going to school, that was a lot of money for us. So we moved in, and uh, I was expecting, inspecting how this uh, mobile home was tied down, how it was secured to the ground, and I found out when I looked under the skirting that someone had wrapped chains around the frame and dug a hole in the ground and threw the chains in the ground and poured concrete around the chain. That was the way that they secured the mobile home. Well, that was fine until one night a very violent storm hit our area. We were in a thunderstorm watch and a tornado watch, and the winds got up, and, and uh, it was uh, pretty scary. And Carrie said, we need to go somewhere. We need to get out of this thing. Well, the problem was it already began to just rain sheets of rain. It began to hail. The wind was up, and I thought, well, maybe it's too late. And listen, guys, you need to listen to your wife when she tells you it's time to leave. So we thought we'd just weather the thing out, go through the storm, while the storm was uh, in its most intense moment, the wind was just wailing, and I could feel that mobile home begin to rock, and I could feel it hit the, the chains, and, and the slack of the chains begin to bump up against the wind. And it was only by the grace of God we survived that storm, because uh, in your mind you can just see this thing rolling over and over and uh, thank God for his mercy for people who don't make good decisions. You know, I want to tell you that you're not the only one who's ever gone through a storm, and I'm not the only one who's ever gone through a storm. So what we need to realize is how do we get past the storm and rise above the storm? And there's a guy that you know, his name is Job, who went through a most violent storm in his own personal life. If you recall, he lost his children. They all died. He lost his uh, income. Uh, everything just changed in his world, and the only thing he had left was his wife, and he didn't even have his health left. He begins to talk about the storm, and this is Job speaking, chapter 21 in his book, verses 17 through verse 19. How often is the lamp of the wicked put out? How often does their destruction come upon them? The sorrows God distributes in his anger. They are like straw before the wind, and like chaff that a storm carries away. Well, certainly we don't want to be like the wicked. We can't keep the storm from coming, but we can keep it from blowing us away. There are many different types of storms. There are thunderstorms, hailstorms, firestorms. 
There are winter storms, ice storms, hurricanes, tornadoes. Uh, I guess the world's seen nearly every storm, right? One unique storm in history came in the year 1900. It was the hurricane that hit Galveston. Now, this hurricane had not hit this area or any hurricane like this before. The National Weather Service had a service officer in the area called Isaac Klein. Uh, his name was uh, inferred to in a book called Isaac's Storm, and the Weather Bureau said they didn't think the storm was going to be that intense. So as the storm began to come ashore, the rain began to descend, and the streets began to rise with water. The kids went out, they played in the rising water. Uh, business went on as usual, people went to the diners, the restaurants to eat. But then when the impact of the storm hit, it was very devastating. You know, some believe that Galveston could never hit, be hit by a hurricane because of where it was positioned. So they didn't take the warning very seriously, and they just stayed on the island. It is the most devastating storm as far as the death toll in American history. It is estimated by the time the storm hit Galveston, went up the coast, and as it went through the area and other places, that between six and 12,000 people lost their life in different areas. It was a very devastating, very devastating storm. Let me give you the definition of a storm. A storm is a violent disturbance of the atmosphere, an uproar or a controversy. And in your life and my life, we can have a great uproar in our life. It can be many different ways. And I want to add some additional storms that may hit your life and my life. How about a storm in your family or a storm in your marriage or a storm in your finances with your job or a financial storm that seems like it's so devastating that you're not going to recover from? So those storms come, and the Bible is full of storm stories. Let me give you one that's a precursor, precursor to a storm that actually happened in the New Testament, but it's talked about in the Old Testament. It's in the Psalm, Psalm 107, verse 28 through verse 30. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven or to their desired of port. Now, one of the things that we can uh, really look at in light of this storm that's in Psalm 107 is that he's talking about a storm that wouldn't really hit until we find it in Luke chapter 8. You say, well, is this a prophetic word? I, I believe it is. I believe it's a prophecy talking about what the God's going to do in the middle of the storm. Now, realize that in Luke chapter 8, we have this introduction of a lot of different things. So in Luke chapter 8, we find a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene who has been um, uh, delivered from demons. She has demons cast out of her life. She was demon-possessed. Later in this chapter, we find Jesus landing in a country called Gadra. If you recall, in Gadra, there's a man who is demon-possessed. This man is so crazy because of the demon possession, he lives among the tombs of the dead. They've tried to capture him because in the land that he lives, he's a very scary person. They've tried to chain him up, but he breaks the chain under the power of demonic power. And so Jesus comes to this area, and this man comes out to meet him. So somewhere deep inside of this demon-possessed person, there is a man who is screaming to be delivered, 
and to come out of that condition. Now, the chapter begins with Mary Magdalene, demon-possessed, who's delivered. Now there is this man at Gadra who is demon-possessed, and Jesus cast out a legion of devils out of him. But also in Luke chapter 8, this woman who has the issue of blood comes and touches the hem of his garment. You remember, she goes to the crowd. Luke chapter 8 tells that she gets down on her hands and knees and touches the hem of his garment. Uh, most of you realize that if you are defiled, if you have a disease like that, you're not to touch anyone. You're to be quarantined. And so she does something that is faith-filled. She says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made whole. So she touches the hem of his garment. Now, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment as he's going somewhere. He's going to a Jewish leader's house by the name of Jairus to heal this man's daughter. She's 12 years old. But somewhere in the path, a messenger comes and says, don't bother the master anymore, your daughter is dead. So Jesus tells him, don't be afraid, keep believing. He goes to the house he takes this young lady by the hand. He raises her from the dead and presents her back to her mother and father. Now, what I want you to catch here in chapter 8 of, of Luke, these events tell us that Jesus has power over the demons, he has power over disease, and he has power over death. So each one of these things show the power of the Savior, the power of Jesus Christ, the one we worship, our Lord and our Savior. But also in the, right in the middle of this chapter, there's another account. It's the account where Jesus tells his disciples, let's get into a boat and go over to the other side. And where they're going, they're going to Gadara. They're going to other places around the Sea of Galilee. But in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, there is a violent windstorm that breaks out. I don't know if it came down from Mount Hermon through the Jordan Valley. I don't know if it came from the west, from the Mediterranean. But this is what we know. This storm is so violent, it's about to sink not only their boat, but the other boats in the entourage, if you will, that's sailing across the Sea of Galilee to go to follow Jesus. This storm is so violent, they are fearing for their very own life. Have you ever gone through something? You wonder if you're going to get through it. You're going to make it past this moment. So Jesus, in his ministry and in the time that he's serving, he is so tired physically, he goes to the back of the boat and he goes to sleep. So in the voyage, this violent wind arises. The waves, the Bible says, are boisterous. They're, they're larger and larger. Picture in your mind these white-capped waves. They're coming across the ship, across the bow of the ship, and the ship is taking on water. Now, they're so fearful, they go back to the back of the boat. They wake up Jesus, and they said, Master, Rabbi, don't you care that we're perishing out here? We're, we're dying out here. We're, we're fixing to sink, and the boat is filling up with water. Now, one of the things we realize is that Jesus, <laughs> in his humanity, is sleepy. But in his sovereignty... He is all-powerful. He goes to the bow of the ship. He looks at the wind and the waves. And the Bible says he rebukes them and he calms the storm. Now, they're afraid of the storm. And now a different emotion grips them. And they say, what kind of man is he? Well, I'll tell you what kind of man he is. He is both 
human and he's also divine. He is the God-man who controls and is sovereign over everything, even nature. Not only does he have the power over demons and disease and death, he has the power over creation. And that's what he is showing here. So what kind of man is he? Let me ask you a question. Do you know who you're serving? Do you know who is leading you? Do you know who is coming to your heart and your life? Listen, this is not just kind of religious figure or a teacher or a man of history. This is the sovereign God in humanity that you and I worship. So in the middle of our storm, we have to realize he can be with us if we're serving him. Not like what Job said, this is what the wicked encounters. They're like the wind, chaff in the wind, like straw in the wind being blown away. But let me tell you, that's not your life and that's not my life. That's not who we are. Now, what kind of storms come into our lives? Or can storms at any moment come into our life? Well, this is what we know. We have storms in our life because of the fallen world we live in. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, then our world imploded. Now storms come into our lives. We also have storms because of our disobedience. You say, well, Pastor Mike, why would you say that? Because it's very evident in Scripture. You remember a guy by the name of Jonah, where God said, you need to go to Nineveh, and he went to Tarshish? So God says, go this direction. He went that direction. He, he went down to Joppa, went down into his ship, paid the fare. He's going the opposite direction. Then all of a sudden, what happened? Storm hit. Now, the storm hit because of his disobedience. It didn't just happen because of the fallen world we live in. It happened because he is going the opposite direction where God called him. He is in disobedience. So, how many of you realize that in that episode, he found a blubber bed, and for three days he's in the belly of the fish or the whale because he's disobedient? That's why God sent the storm. So, we can have a storm because of the fallen world. We can have a storm because of our disobedience, and we can have a storm because of the enemy in our life. He's coming to thwart you from your destination. He doesn't want you to arrive where you should arrive. Now, I also know this from, from Scripture, that we can have a storm in our life even when we're doing the will of God, even when we're doing the things that we should do. Now, Jesus told these people, he said, listen, I want you to go to this place to the other side, and yet they're doing what Jesus wanted them to do. There, there's, a, there's miracles happening in every one of these stories where we see a storm. The storm arises on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. They're about to be overwhelmed by the waves and the wind. He gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves, power over creation, power over demons, power over disease, power over death. There's another storm I want to bring up to you today. In the book of Acts, chapter 27, there's a storm that hits Paul on his uh, mission journey. And um, the mission is to go testify to Caesar in Rome. Now, it's not a mission I think that he dreamed up or he chose. It's a mission that God had him on. So let me talk about that just for a second. M most of you know the story. But Paul is arrested in Jerusalem there is the Jewish rebellion because he's there. He is taken to Caesarea. He appears before Felix and Agrippa, and he, he, he goes before some of the magistrates in that area. But being a Roman citizen, he appeals to a higher court. 
So to be adjudicated, he is being uh, transported to, to Rome, and there in Rome, he's going to appear before Caesar to hear his case. So they get in a ship, Acts uh, chapter 27, and they sail. They go to one place, and then they go to Crete. And in, in the journey, the Bible says a huge tempest, and there's a name for it. It's called the Eurocladon, Uroc- uh, kind of like naming hurricanes today. It hits Paul and the ship that he's on with many other passengers. And there's a crew of the ship. There's, there's Roman guards on the ship. And this storm is so violent for day after day after day after day, the Bible says they don't see the sun, the moon, or the stars. It is so dark and overcast that they're fearing for their very life. They're throwing out the cargo of the ship. They throw out the tackling of the ship. And they throw out anchors to the ship. And it's very clear they believe that all hope is gone. So in the middle of him going to where God says for him to go, he goes through a storm. You know, I found out you could be living for God being a storm. You can do what you know to do, being a storm. You can do everything that you think you should be doing, serving God, being obedient to God. You're going to church, you're tithing, you're you're, you're watching after your family, and a storm can still come. You didn't create the storm, but you got to survive the storm. You, you didn't make the storm because even for your disobedience, I mean, that could happen, but the storm still comes to your life. And, and so we have to deal with those things. So what do we need to do to make it through some of the storms that come through our life? I want to share just three things very quickly with you today. The first thing is you have to have faith. You and I have to have faith. One of the things that Jesus did with those disciples on the boat when when they woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Number one, he does care about you, and he cares about me. He cares about your life. He cares about everything you do. He cares about your family, your children. He cares about your job, your finance, your health. He cares about you in every detail of your life. So they're saying, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Well, he does care. But one of the things he upbraided them about or rebuked them about, he said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? You see, it takes faith to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because God wants us to believe in him. So we have faith. We have faith that he has our best interests in mind. We have faith that he's caring for us. We have faith that we believe his word. Now, if you look at these stories, faith is believing what God says. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So what did Jesus say on this voyage where the storm hit them in the progress of the transportation or the way across the Sea of Galilee? He said, let us go to the other side. Well, if Jesus said we're going to go to the other side, let's believe that he's going to get us to the other side. So if the Lord's told you something and in the middle of point A and point B, you're having a big storm, just keep believing he's going to get you there. If he said he's going to take care of you, keep believing he's going to take care of you. If he said he would never leave you or forsake you, just keep believing that because that's the word of God. So he says, where is your faith? Paul's situation, much the same there in Acts chapter 27. This is what the Lord said to Paul. You must appear before Caesar in Rome. So in spite of the storm, in spite of all of the things that happened in the middle of the storm, in spite of the the fear that everyone's going to lose their life, then 
Paul believed that he was going to get to Rome because that's what God said. He said, you must appear before Caesar in Rome. So faith is trusting the word of God, believing what God said. So you and I have to have faith. So how do we rise above the storm? We have faith. That's the first thing that's very important for us to have. Number two, we have to have an understanding of how fear can grip our lives. Because when you're in the storm, it gets scary. When you're in the storm, you begin to think of everything that could happen. When you're in the storm, you begin to imagine because your humanity and my humanity, we begin to rehearse all the bad things that could happen. And certainly, that's a human experience and a human emotion. We're not saying that, oh, I never get afraid or I never am concerned. Sure we are. Now, I want to read to you a verse out of Acts 27, and it's verse 23, and this is Paul rehearsing to the, the rest of the people on that boat. He, he said, for there stood by me this night an angel of the, of, of the Lord, the angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told to me. That's faith. And it's faith over fear. You see, it's hard to be in faith and be fearful at the same time. It's, it's kind of one opposed to the other. So Paul says, the angel stood by me. And here's, here's another great observation here. Whatever you go through, the angels of the Lord are around you. The angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear the Lord. Not afraid of the Lord, but those who reverence him, those who are fearing him in his holy position and who he is. Now, he said, notice this, verse 24, do not be afraid. Let me say that again. You can say it with me. Do not be afraid. So when you're in the middle of your storm, the first thing you and I have to do, we have to combat the fear and embrace the faith. Combat the fear, embrace the faith. Because storms are scary. Marriage storms are scary. Family storms are scary. Financial storms are scary. If you lost your job, it's scary. If you're running more month than money, it's scary. But this is what we have to do. We have to move out of our humanity in the emotions we have and the fear we have. We have to get over into the Word of God, what God said about us and said to us, and we have to embrace the faith. So we embrace the faith over the fear. And that's exactly what Paul said to that entire group on the ship. He says, do not be afraid. And we have to get past the fear. Now, here's the third thing. We have to realize that storms can blow us into new opportunities. What? Storms can blow us into new opportunities. Because sometimes we get so secure here we forget that there may be something over here that could be better. I lost my job here, but there may be a better job over here. Well, this happened here, but it could be better over here. And sometimes God gives you the nudge or he gives you the push. Now, one of the things that we can see in both of these storms we talked about, number one, Sea of Galilee, disciples, they're with Jesus in the boat. And here's a good thought. Always make sure Jesus is in your boat when you go through a storm. But they saw something about him they'd never saw before. They saw that he had power over the demons. 
They saw he had power over disease. They saw he had power over death. But at this point, now they're seeing he has power over all creation. He is speaking to wind and waves, and they obey him. Isn't that amazing? They're seeing something they've never seen before, and they saw it in the middle of a storm. Sometimes when you're in the storm, you begin to see things you've never, ever seen before because of the atmosphere of the environment you're in, and you're reaching out, you're trying to put back the fear, embrace the faith, and see things you have never, ever seen before. So the storms can blow us into new opportunities. Here's the other storm. Paul is sailing to Rome, but the... The ship is blown to Malta, and there at Malta, guess what happens? I'll guarantee you everybody on that ship has a new view of God because of Paul. When they arrive at Malta, they're, they're cold, they're wet. They gather wood to start a fire. The ship is broken up. And there at Malta, when they're starting the fire, Paul goes out with the rest of the crew, and he's gathering wood, and in the wood that he gathers up, there is a snake there, and everybody knows the snake is poisonous. You say, well, how does everybody know the snake is poisonous? Well, hello. If you live in Oklahoma, and there's a snake that has a rattler on the end of it, and it's shaking, you don't have to tell me to go get a book. I know the snake is poisonous. They, they knew that was a poisonous snake. And that snake latched hold to Paul, and Paul... He went to the fire, and he shook it off in the fire. Now, everybody was sitting back waiting for Paul to swell up and die. But guess what? He didn't. And because of that, they knew there was something different about the Apostle Paul. Because he survives the storm, he survives the snake bite, and now he is a huge witness. And it's not that we're glorifying Paul. How do you know? We're lifting up the God of Paul. Now God is getting the glory. Paul is asked to go pray for this leader at Malta, who's the highest leader in the entire uh, land, and he lays hands upon him and heals him. Guess what's happening? God is being glorified. The name of Jesus is being exalted. Because what happened? The storm blew him into a new opportunity of ministry, a new opportunity of testimony. Now there are more people getting to know who Jesus Christ is. There is more people that are seeing the power of God over demons, over disease, over death, over the elements, over creation. And now God is being glorified at every, every turn. Why? Because of a storm. And sometimes in your life, in my life, when the storm hits, we do an extreme uh, introspection of our life. Well, what's happening? Is this just happening because I'm disobedient? Is this happening because uh, the enemy's attacking me? Is it happening because it's driving me somewhere where God wants me to be? This is something we all have to go through. I'd like to tell you, you're never going to go through a storm. You know, I'd be lying. I'd like to tell you that the, the storm will never cause concern in your life. You know, I'd be lying. And I'd be lying to myself. Because storms are going to hit. But here's the thing. You and I have to rise above the storm. You know the eagle and some of the birds have the ability when the winds begin to pick up that they spread their wings and they can be lifted up by the wings of a storm to rise above the storm. You know, you and I need to be like that. 
We need to lift our life up in faith and rise above the things that we think might destroy us when God is actually lifting us up. And that's the way I want you to view it today. Storms come, and here's the good news, storms go. They don't always stay. Storms don't always stay. They come and they go. So there's a beginning of a storm, there's the middle of a storm, there's the violence of a storm, but let me assure you, there's the end of a storm. Do you know rainbows many times come out after a storm? And we see the beauty of the rainbow etched on the canvas of the blackness of the clouds after they pass by. Storms can produce new growth. I know here in Oklahoma, not only are there windstorms and thunderstorms and tornadoes, but there's also ice storms and hail storms. And in those storms, sometimes the branches, they bend and they break. And you'll be driving by and you'll see the damage in the trees and the plants because of the storm. But it's not going to be long. From the damage of that storm, there's going to be new growth, new shoots that come out after the storm. So we know there's new growth after the storm, same way in your life. You learn something, you grow through it, you expand through it. Here's another thought. There's new building after the storm. And sometimes the very things that are affected by the storm the most is that which was not really secure, that which is not on a good foundation, and that which is a little decayed, decrepit, old. And the storm comes along and it blows it away or it damages it. And to rebuild, what do you do? You come back and you rebuild it better than it was. Maybe you secure it better than it ever was. You put it on a foundation that it never had. So there is uh, new growth that happens after storms. There's new building that happens after storms. And, and could it be for you and me? There's some newness that comes out of the storm that we never saw coming. We, we, we reach destinations we never thought we would reach. And we see, we see God in a way we never saw him before. So I want you to think about where you're at right now, and certainly in America. We're going through the storm of the virus. We're going through the storm of an economy that is faltering. We're going through the storm of seeing loved ones and family members parted, not, not together. We're seeing the storm of our medical personnel, our leaders, different ones who are trying to navigate through very difficult situations. We see the storm of trying to kickstart an economy or start the business up or, or the church service up or, or, or go forward after what we've gone through. Will the world ever be the same? It's going to be a little different. But this will end. This will end. A rainbow's going to come out. There's going to be new growth. There's going to be new building in your life and my life. So whatever we go through, let, let's not just go through it. Let, let's learn something from it. Let's get stronger through it. Let's see God in a way that we've never seen him before. Let's come out of this stronger than we've ever been. And I think we can. And I think you can too. And just like Carrie and I in that old mobile home, that $40 a month mobile home that we lived in, 
when the storm hit, we, we, we could feel that thing bumping against the, the chains that were wrapped around that, that frame and, and hitting the foundation underneath it. Thank God it held. But I'll guarantee you, we have a stronger foundation today than that old trailer house, that old mobile home. We are founded on the rock that will never, ever move. And when the wind blows and the rain descends, the storm comes, you're still going to be standing. And I'll tell you why. Not because you're good or I'm good, you're great or I'm great, because God is great. And if my life is hid in him and your life is hid in him, let the wind blow, let the storm comes, and like the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, your Lord and Savior is going to stand up and say, peace be still, and everything's going to calm. And sometimes the calm is not out there. Sometimes the calm is in here. Sometimes the peace is not out there. Sometimes the peace is in here. And just like Paul in the middle of the Mediterranean and the storm is blowing, he thinks he's headed here, but there's a diversion because God is going to do something over here. Oh, he's still going to get where God said. But sometimes God moves in mysterious ways. And he takes us in ways that we didn't expect. But in that, he's glorified. The name of Jesus is exalted, and we're strengthened. So I want you today to feel in your heart and in your mind and in your soul that God is doing something right now, even when you're in a storm and you don't know what to do. Well, you do know what to do, don't you? You need to realize and to find out if he's in your boat. You need to hold on to faith and believe what he said. And you need to overcome the fear that comes with the storm. And also to realize he's doing something. Even when you don't think he's doing something. Be encouraged today. Thank you so much for being with us. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you today and we exalt you. You are our foundation. You are our anchor in stormy weather. So, Lord, today, if there's someone who's going through a very difficult time, Lord, I pray for them that they would be encouraged. Let them stay in faith. Don't let fear grip them. Let them realize your work in their life. You're their provider. You're their peace. And, Lord, if there's someone here today watching and listening that does not know you. I pray their heart would be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit, the, the wooing of the Spirit to draw them close to you, your side. So Lord, today, we thank you that you are everything that you said that you are to us. God, draw us closer to your side. Step on the bow of our life. Bring the peace that we need. We'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you today. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.